Hi everyone, this is Cece. If you're a fan of books with hooks, then you've probably heard me use the term interiority. I often catch myself saying things like, these pages need more interiority, or the interiority here needs work. And that's because interiority is a super important element of storytelling. It's what makes books unique. But as it turns out, a lot of you have questions about what exactly is interiority and how to properly weave it into stories, which is why I'm teaching my popular writing interiority class in a new two-day format. We'll meet on Thursday, June 6 at 8 p.m. via Zoom to cover all things interiority, including the difference between interiority and emotions, how interiority is different from telling, how to leverage interiority into plot points, how to strike a balance between interiority and mystery, and more. And then we'll meet again for a live cozy Q&A session on Monday, June 10th, also at 8 p.m. via Zoom, in which you'll have the opportunity to turn your camera on if you choose. If you're interested, check out the link in my bio on Instagram, and I hope to see you there. Calling all memoirists. I'm so excited to let you know that I've put together an incredible all about memoir lineup for Saturday the 11th of May from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time in which six amazing speakers guide you through everything you need to know to write a memoir that will sell. You'll get opportunities to ask questions of best-selling memoirists while also standing a chance to have your query letter live critiqued during the webinar. To see the awesome lineup and to register, go to biancamaray.com. There's an early bird promotion for the first 50 delegates who sign up. Come and join us and get your memoir groove on. Hi there and welcome to my show, the shit no one tells you about writing. I'm your host, Bianca Murray. Just a heads up, this episode contains a bit of profanity and mature themes, so be aware of that as you go into it. Thank you so much to those of you who let me know that you were only able to access my last five episodes. It seems that I've once again veered into dangerously dweeby territory by somehow putting a setting on my podcast that only those last five ones could be accessed. So huge apologies for that. The great news is you can now go back and access all of the episodes from episode one. Hi everyone, I have two very special guests with me today. Some of you have heard me speak before of my writing groups, uh, and so I thought it would be a really good idea to invite two of my writing group weirdos, I mean group members, to join me today so that we can discuss the dynamic of writing groups. And I'm going to actually pass across to one of them to do the show's introductions. Joining Ms. Bianca Murray on today's episode of The Shit That No One Tells You About Writing is Alec Tripkovsky and Suzanne Dugard. Did that sound sensual enough? I loved it. I loved you- it. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to start putting on this voice myself during the during the podcast. And uh, as I tell people about Alec Tripkovsky, he of few vowels but large vocal cords. Right. <laughs> Welcome, Alec and Susie. Now. Something that people seem surprised by is that I belong to not one, but two writing groups. And a lot of listeners say, well, you're a professional writer and that you've published. So we see writing groups as something that's for people who are trying to get published. And I say that at any level of your writing career, I really think that writing groups have huge value. And I've been in them for eight years now from when I was trying to finish my first novel till now, when I'm trying to write my fourth, fifth, sixth novels, and I find enormous value in them. And so I'd like to chat to Susie and Alec to see if they agree with me and God help them if they don't. Alec, let's start with you. You weren't in a writing group before I lured you into our little den of iniquity. And uh, just a bit of backstory on how this group came to be. So as I've said, I've been in other writing groups before, 
And often they just kind of fizzled out because everybody wasn't either committed enough or the personalities weren't a good fit for multiple reasons. And so with this particular writing group, I really wanted to curate a group of people who were all equally talented, who had a lot in common, because it was important to me that the writing group members became friends. Because here's the thing, guys, writing means making yourself vulnerable. It means, you know, going to dark and scary places and kind of tapping that vein and letting the blood pour out. And because of that vulnerability, you need to be surrounded by people who get you, who are invested in you, and who can create a safe space for you. Because getting critique from the wrong people is worse than not getting critique at all. And so I put together this group of people who didn't really know each other. They were all writers whose work I admired. And I think it worked quite well. Alec, Talk about your experience. I remember the very first time we got together and we were critiquing your work. Your face was bright red and your cheeks were burning. What was going through your mind at that day? Well, so I had never taken any kind of writing course before joining our writers group. And I think that I, I was unique in that sense because I hadn't been critiqued by anyone. So it was it was sort of terrifying. And I remember you joked about it too at the time that it, like, it's like after we completed the critiques, you were like, oh shit, like that was that was your first time. We just took your virginity. <laughs> and we... We hadn't, I hadn't even thought about it. But yeah, at, th at that point, I mean, I had barely submitted anything I'd written to anyone in the past. And I'd been writing, uh, you know, for myself, just recreationally for, for years. And I'd always considered myself a writer. And I write professionally, but I write boring policy research. So it's not exactly a creative endeavor, but it's, you know, what I do. And I had submitted the sort of first draft of my first finished novel to Bianca just to, to review. And that is how Bianca was aware of my writing. And that that was the, the level on which she knew it. Otherwise, she didn't know anything about how I'd write aside from just like the kind of asshole I am verbally on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. And I love how you say that you were writing recreationally, but not really sharing it, because I feel like you were sharing your recreational drugs much more freely than your work. <laughs> <laughs> you said the thing about uh, people's are express surprise that you're in a writing group. And my thought that I had when you said that was, it doesn't matter how experienced you are or where you are on your writing journey. Feedback is an essential part of the writing process. Aside from simply writing lots and lots and lots, it's the only way that you're going to make progress. But your spouse, your parents, your friends, as well-intentioned as they are, they're not going to be providing you with the most sharp and insightful criticism. You need people who speak the same language as you. And that's where a writing group comes in. Like my mother-in-law is great and she's very supportive, but she wouldn't know an inciting incident if it bit her on the butt. That's such a good point because we have friends who are our cheerleaders. I have my best friend, Charmaine, God bless her, has, has read every piece of shit that I have turned out over an extended period of time. And she just is so enthusiastic, supportive of everything. She loves everything I write. And there are times that I desperately need that. I need the cheerleader. But having that all the time is not going to make the work better. So in your life, you need the cheerleaders and then you need the people who are going to be critiquing your work. So as a writing group, we're all working on quite different things. Would you like to tell us what each of you are working on? So I, I've been working still on the original novel that I submitted to Bianca many years ago. And and the goddamn thing is like a novella. So that this is this just goes to show how like truly prolific I am by producing an extra like 200 words every other year. But uh, I'm working on that. And I'm working on a follow up novel that I had started sort of concurrently along with that one as well. And a couple of short stories here and there. So right now I'm kind of working towards completing this this short story that uh that is my 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 current goal i have no idea how to define what genre i write in i know that bianca has de described it as magical realism and while i cannot necessarily disagree with it being magical realism i also i feel like my sphincter clenches a little bit every time i hear the, the word <laughs> magical realism i'm like oh boy that's gonna be a real easy one to sell that sounds wonderful <laughs> and well I mean, not just magical realism. I mean, you do kind of gothic horror. You do noir extremely, extremely well. Oh, and you do satire, just straight out satire, hilariously. So you're someone who really straddles genres, which not many people are able to do, which I really appreciate about your work. Susie, tell us what you're working on. 
or what you have been working on over the past while? So right now, I have a novel out on submission with various publishers through my agent. And I owe that novel in large part to this group because you were also instrumental in helping me polish it and get it ready to be out there. And I'm now uh, at work on my second novel. I would say it's probably upmarket fiction is how you would classify it, sort of straddling that line between slightly commercial and literary. And I'm about a third of the way into that and really appreciating all of the feedback and critique that I've been getting from you guys. And can I just say about Alec, the first time that I met him at that first group where we were giving feedback, the thing that I remember the most was how much I hated you for how naturally skilled you were. Going back to your point about never having taken a class before, you just have that raw talent. And yeah, I hated you. I was going to say that I remember Bianca telling me before we actually started the group who I was going to like truly love. Like she set she set you up, Susie, because she was just like, you guys are going to hit it off immediately. You're both completely insane. I think that this is why we're currently like being interviewed here together. <laughs> because like the, the second I wrote, like the first thing that Susie had brought to the group, I was like, I fucking love this. I adore every bit of this. This is exactly my jam. It's completely up my alley. She's one of the best writers I've ever read. And it's like, I'm never going to write anything this good, but the fact that I get to read it and critique it as if I have any business doing so makes me feel more of a writer than I ever could have before. <laughs> to your point there, what you've both just said is about chemistry. And this is something that for those of you who are thinking about setting up a writing group is one of the most important, important things. Because as I said before, there's that vulnerability, there's that putting out work that quite frankly, sometimes a shitty first draft. And we've spoken about shitty first drafts before. And if you are not nervous about being critiqued, if you're not nervous about putting your work out there, I feel like what's the point? Because you haven't taken any risks. You haven't made yourself vulnerable and you're playing it safe. In which case, why do you want the critique? So for me, every time I submit work to my writing groups, I am nervous as all hell. I'm freaking out about getting the feedback. Um, and so that dynamic and respecting each other respecting each other's talent, envying each other's talent and hating people who have never taken a writing workshop or any kind of course and write phenomenally well, that is integral. And uh, I knew that if I set up Susie and Alec in the same room, they were going to become like these besties and I would fade into the background. So I was sitting going, shit, should I really introduce these two people? Because I like them both. And now they're going to become like firm favorites and I'm going to take a second seat. But you know what? Watching that chemistry happen, it was like watching two comets colliding. It was like, boom. It was amazing to watch. Well, I think you really, when you talk about vulnerability, you're right on the money with that. I mean, you need to be able to trust the people who are giving you feedback. It's not essential that you be friends, but oh my heart, how grateful I am that it has turned out the way that it has with us. I can imagine being in a writing group with people I wasn't friends with, but I can't imagine being in a writing group with people I didn't trust, with people who I didn't feel had my back. It doesn't matter how skilled they are at giving feedback. It doesn't matter if they're fantastic writers. If they're that person that, you know, and we've all been in classes with them, well, except for Alec, of course, those people who, who seem to think it's sporting just to cut someone down for the sake of lifting themselves up. That's not what I want out of a writing group. And I think that we got very, very lucky with that. Just to follow up on what Susie's saying too, I think like one of the things that that made the group good was sort of like the guidance that we we like looked to Bianca for the guidance, the fact that she very carefully curated who was going to be in the group because we weren't friends, right? We didn't know, we, like for the most part, most of us didn't know each other going in. And I'm gushing all about Susie right now because she's here and also because I completely love her writing. You have but no I'm, choice because I can see you. I mean, also that, you know. <laughs> but I mean, I would gush similarly about every single person in our writers group. And I think that you'll hopefully have an opportunity to, to you know, your, your listeners are going to have an opportunity to hear from them too. I, I think that every single person in our writing group comes to it emotionally from a similar place, but we all have a very unique strength or a very unique set of strengths and we we mesh really well together and further the whole thing about getting feedback it's like that's i think that's one of the things that i i 
would hope to think that's one of the things that you curated us for too because I, I mean I love the feedback I get from the group Susie was saying how you know when you get you're getting feedback from you know friends and family I think you were saying it too Bianca that like it's you know you have your cheerleaders like I would get feedback from my partner that was always just glowing and I thought don't tell me tell me why it sucks like tell me what you hate I I want to know what's bad because like what am I this is this is useless until I got feedback I didn't feel like a writer so the feedback from our writers group is what made me feel like a writer like it didn't matter how many times I said I was gay I wasn't gay till I had a in my mouth so Okay, so there's a lot there to unpack. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. It's, uh, we will skip right over the in your mouth. What we will go to instead, and, but that was a very good point. One is critique because as a writer, you are not truly a writer until you have been edited, until you have been critiqued. And you know what, guys? Doing it in your writing group is a damn good way to prepare you for down the line when you will have an agent editing you, when you'll have an editor editing you, when your work goes out into the world and readers start giving critique on based on what they thought about uh, your work. For me, something that is such a contradiction about being a writer is that what makes us writers is we are so much more sensitive than other people. We are so, we wear are nerve endings on the outside and that's what makes us writers but then you get to a point where those nerve endings on the outside are a huge problem because your work is getting reviewed and it's not going to be loved by everybody and I feel like your writing group is a really safe space to kind of start getting yourself used to that and like Alex said the rest of our writing group's amazing we have Kira we have Christina so there's five of us in total and it's uh, we call ourselves backspaces and the backs come from the initials of all of our first names and we decided on backspaces because let's be honest as a writer you use the backspace key the most because you're always deleting everything you've written and you're taking stuff out and again something else Alex said is that each of us in the writing group have got strengths I feel like for me my strengths are that I'm the one who cracks the whip and who arranges everything and who is the timekeeper as a A-type uh, control freak Capricorn that's a great role to to have. Alec, what do you consider your strengths to be when it comes to critiquing the group's work? I think I'm really I'm really pedantic when it comes to sort of character, characters being consistent and sort of characters feeding into the greater theme of a story. So I I track everything that the characters are feeling and I get really emotionally invested in all the characters and the stories that all of our everyone in our group is writing. So I think that that's that's always been my my thing. And I like to think that that's the strength in the stories that I write as well, because it's always been what I personally focus the most on. And Susie, what do you feel your strengths are? I think I also because my background in creative writing, I started out as a poet writing poetry, published a little bit of poetry in some journals. So I think I also come at it from that line level perspective where I'm really, really focused on word choice. It's just where I naturally go. But I also have this thing in me where I'm that person who's looking for the inconsistencies. So if somebody has crossed a room over here, but then over there, they're in the backyard, I'm going to notice that and I'm going to tell you that. And that's sort of the kind of space where I tend to find myself. I because I come from a poetry background, I still feel like I'm finding my way around plot a lot of the time. And so I don't feel like I lift myself up and look down from that level. And that's where the group is really so well balanced in that regard, because we have those other people who are able to say, wait a minute, plot, this should happen. Diversity is a very important part of your writing group in terms of the skills and the strengths that everybody brings to it. So when I'm teaching, I will give my students basic guidelines on how to critique each other's work. One, you are there to make that person's work better. Start with the positive. Always start with the positive. Tell the person what you like, what works for them, uh, the things you've really connected with. Then you can move on to the things that perhaps are troubling you, that you don't understand, that you would like to have expanded. Always use I statements rather than you statements. So in a critique, say things like, I didn't quite understand why this character would do that, as opposed to you've done a bad job of explaining this character's motivation. You know, and Elizabeth Gilbert wrote an amazing article on the kinds of people who you should allow to critique your work and look it up. You know, she spoke about how for years she allowed the wrong people to critique her work and how that kind of set her back. So there's that underlying support 
support. And the most important thing is making the work as good as it can be for what it is. There's nothing more frustrating for a writer than writing something that is genre fiction and having somebody try to turn it into literary fiction in their critiques or saying things like, I don't really get science fiction, so I can't really help you. There are basic things that are the same in all storytelling, characterization, dialogue, structure, plot, tension, suspense. So even if you don't get the genre per se, you can still help that person with the, uh, the basics of storytelling that that you can respond to. And, uh, you know, Kira in our group is amazing at moving things around at the sentence level. No one's better than Kira. You give her a page and she will just take a paragraph at the top of the page, move it down to the bottom, take a few things out. And it's just amazing. She makes it glow and Christina just has this kind of intuitive insight to things where she thinks about things on a plane that I'm not paying attention to. She kind of accesses it from a, from a totally different plane and um, makes me think about imagery and metaphor and perhaps themes that I otherwise would not have thought about. So every single person in our group brings something different to the critique. And that's why when my students are critiquing, I they ask me to tell them how to critique. You know, should they do it in a Word document with comments and tracking changes? Should they just give an overview? Should they say this? Should they do it at line level? And I don't like to prescribe that because I feel like as writers, as readers, as critiquers, we each have a strength. And I tell each student, play to your strengths. If your strengths is character, if it's an overall thing as opposed to line level edits, play to that. And that's some advice that I would give you guys as well when you're setting up your writing groups. Don't prescribe too much how people should critique. Let their natural talents and their natural abilities evolve as they come out. Okay, so we've spoken about the nice stuff about a writing group. And, you know, before COVID, the wonderful thing is our writing group would meet once a month at each other's homes across Toronto. And it was just lovely to be in each other's homes and to, I say cook for each other, but I mean, God, I can't cook. I never cooked for anybody. (laughs) Alec was most likely to to cook. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, most of us just kind of, we got takeaways and we put some stuff together. Susie as well uh, is a phenomenal cook as well. She put some lovely stuff together. I, I would just get takeout. I'd be like, yeah, have this but it was so nice to just be together and we'd spend the first half an hour catching up on our lives and our weeks and things that had happened and guys copious wine helps seriously lots of wine for critique what do you guys think Alec and Susie I I personally am a fan of the wine and yes I I am a fan of the before times too when we could see each other in person but I do think that we've made a really good transition to Zoom. And it's so important to me that we've kept this up and kept meeting. I don't know what I would do. This group is like a lifeline. And, you know, one of the things you just said about how we would spend so much time catching up with each other, I was thinking about our chat group today, and how if you went through and this is not science, but I'm willing to bet if you analyzed every single message that's in there, 20% of them would be about writing and 80% would be about memes and the broader world and things going on in our personal lives because the writing and the personal are so inextricably linked. And it, it comes back to that being in a group with people that you trust and over time have come to really cherish and value in your life. Definitely. Susie there is referring to our WhatsApp group. We have a WhatsApp group uh, and there's things about our lives, but there's also things about, you know, the triumphs and the defeats of writing. And sometimes it's just on a daily level that you wrote a few really good pages and you feel really good about yourself or that you sat down and you were wanting to write, but you just couldn't because COVID, because Trump, because the news, because of, you know, all these overwhelming things. And it's sometimes just needing people who are on the same boat as you to say, it's okay. It's okay that you aren't able to create at the moment because things are tough and it's hard to write and it's hard to get into that positive kind of space. Other times, you know, Susie and I, for example, we're both stuck in the same place in terms of being writers who are waiting for feedback on our manuscripts. Uh, I've before referred to it as the vortex of rejection. 
it is, you know, it's like a churning river. It is hectic. I, I don't know if any of you have ever been river rafting, but I have been river rafting on the Zimbezi at some of the biggest rapids in the world. Uh, and there are periods that you will fall out of this boat and you will just be stuck in churning water going round and round in circles, kind of being stuck between a rock and your inflatable raft. And that is what this feels like. Susie, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. You are not wrong. Now, I have never been river rafting anywhere, let alone the Zambezi, but I have certainly been swirling around in a vortex of my own brain, particularly lately. And I can tell you that, yeah, our writing group hasn't just made me a better writer. It has been a lifeline for me because there are days when I reach out to the group and you're honestly the thing that keeps me from putting my head in the figurative or perhaps sometimes even literal oven except that our oven is electric, so that wouldn't really be very effective. But I, you know, I, I honestly, it's so overwhelming. And having this group is what keeps me going, knowing that I can count on you guys to say, listen, idiot, we loved that last thing that you wrote. And maybe we didn't love the thing before, but that last thing was really great. And you just have to keep going because we want to see how it turns out. That's what gets you through the day. And also to say that editor who turned it down, they're an idiot. You know, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. To hell with them. It only takes one and that one is going to come. So that's important too. Alec, you're the only person in our group that I could say is not looking to publish. The rest of us are very seriously wanting to produce work that we are hoping will get published down the line. What is your motivation then for being in the group and for writing if that isn't your goal. And and I ask that because I know that there are people out there who love writing for writing's sake and who do want to make their work as good as it can be. And they're not producing work necessarily to to publish it. And nor should that be the the end goal. I think that's one of the things that is that gives me the most value being a member of of this writing group is that you're sort of made to feel like that has to be the end goal. And I think that that's a that's a challenge sort of in the arts in general. And anybody who has any desire to be any kind of artist or has anything in them that makes them want to be creative is that you feel like you have to produce a product. And there's nothing there's obviously nothing wrong with being published. I mean, I'm not against the idea of being published and that would be wonderful if I could one day do it. But I'm obviously I, I would say not as serious about it at this point in my writing as the rest of the group would be. And I think that what I appreciate with the group is feeling like I have that writing validated without it needing to be that like it doesn't have to get to that level i can i can write the way that i want to write and i can be expressing myself in this way and i can be getting feedback technical feedback on how the writing itself is emotional feedback that makes me feel like i'm doing something that's actually worthwhile so it it, it means a lot to me and i think one day i could be in a place where i want to get published and and it, it's it's freeing to know that i can sort of take my time to get there i like i have my own conflicts about it where sometimes i think you know like i'm you know like i'm a white male and i feel like there's not necessarily necessarily a need not in like a boohoo woe is me way because like who gives a shit like I, I have a good life I don't care <laughs> so it's not like a like I'm feeling sorry for myself kind of thing but I'm I'm in a group with four wonderfully talented amazing women and I would frankly rather see them taking up that space than myself or any number of people taking up that space other than myself so maybe one day I'm going to get there and maybe one day I'm going to see that there's a space for me out there that I, I am interested in filling. But right now, just being able to kind of have that feedback and validation from the writers group is wonderful for me. It gives me everything that I want to be getting out of this. We just registered my youngest kid for kindergarten. I cannot believe it. One of the tricky things about my kids being in French immersion school and not having French as a language myself is I'm honestly worried about how I'm going to assist with homework as they get bigger. They're young now, but I see it coming. We are honestly so lucky, though, to live in a city that's bilingual and we have bilingual friends and francophone friends. So I know it's going to be easy for our kids to pick it up. Me, on the other hand, I am worried about me. I grew up somewhere where French class was not taken seriously, and now I have to make up the difference. And that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. As the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app, it really immerses you in the language you want to learn. Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion, which is a proven way to learn a language. Instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals, reading stories, participating in dialogues, and other practical language skills to fast track your ability to communicate fluently. There are no English translations in the product. You're honestly getting trained to listen, speak, read, write, and think in your new language, which is what everybody wants. 
Rosetta Stone users especially love the speech recognition feature. As you practice speaking, Rosetta Stone uses advanced voice recognition technology to match your audio, the audio from native speakers, and then give you feedback on how well you're pronunciating the words so you can really hone those pronunciations. It offers 25 languages from Spanish, French, Italian, German, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, even Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. This is the best language program because they have been an expert in the language learning field for 30 years and used by millions. Thousands of companies and government organizations use Rosetta Stone to support language training online. Of all the apps, Rosetta Stone uses the best speech recognition technology, so it compares your sound waves to those of a native speaker for better feedback to improve. They have a patented speech recognition engine called True Accent, which is built into the program. As you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. The other language learning apps use speech recognition to detect what you said, but Rosetta Stone tells you how well you said it compared to native speakers. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Think about the cost of a one month language course. Think about the cost of one hour private tutoring sessions. With Rosetta Stone, you enjoy lifetime membership and accessibility on desktop or app. We have a special offer for you guys. That's 50% off. That's a lifetime access to 25 language courses on Rosetta Stone for 50% off. This is a steal. Do not put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the shit no one tells you about writing listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That We want you guys to go visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Are you looking for beta readers, some of whom might potentially become writing group members down the line? Are you wanting to be matched up with those writing in a similar genre or time zone so they can critique your work as you critique theirs at the same time? Your manuscript doesn't have to be complete to sign up for this 3,000 word evaluation. This particular matchup will be open to registrations from now until the 2nd of June with the matchup emails going out on the 3rd of June. For more information and to register, go to biancamaray.com, look for the beta reader matchup page and please spread the word. The more writers we have signed up, the better the matches will be. So we've spoken about all the warm fuzzies. We've had some wine while we've been talking. So I feel like now we can get to the ugly, the bad and the ugly, because we've, we've had the good. So I don't want to create the impression for writers out there that, you know, writing groups are all kumbaya and we sit there linking arms and, you know, just swaying backwards and forwards and braiding each other's hair. I mean, sometimes we do that if we've had a lot of wine, but not always. And I know that there've been some evenings that I've kind of walked away from the writing group feeling a bit deflated. What about you guys? Oh, a hundred percent. So with book two, because when I came into the, if I can rewind a little bit, when I came into the group, I was already quite some ways into completing book one and I had a really good sense of what it was about and where it was going and and all the rest but with book two you were there from the very beginning and I struggled to find my way into it and I can very clearly remember one meeting where I thought I had found it I thought I had figured it out and I came to you with this chapter that was the new opening of this book and it was a dud it was resoundingly trounced by one and all. And I left there thinking, oh, no, what, you know, what have I done? What's, do I even know what I'm doing? But to be clear, nobody said anything hurtful or needlessly critical. It was, it was all very well-intended critique, but I clearly hadn't landed where I thought I had landed. And, and that was hard. That was really hard because I thought that I had finally figured out a way into this book. But I took a step back and you were right. It was it was absolutely not the the right opening for this this novel and and where I wanted to take it and I tore it down and I started over and I was really appreciative of that but it was a gut punch at the time. Like you say you think you've achieved something you're like I found my way into the story and you fully expect everyone in the group to be like this is great you found your way in. And then when the critique that comes back is not what you're expecting to hear it can be incredibly 
disappointing. And we had, you know, you guys will be hearing from Kira and Christina in another in another episode in which I'll be interviewing them. The only reason I didn't put them all together is because we would all be talking over each other and you wouldn't hear a damn thing. Uh, Christina struggled and struggled and struggled to find her way into a story. And then, you know, I remember each time she was feeling so despondent. And then one night she submitted something to us and we all resoundingly were like, this is it. This is it. You've found your way in. And just the sense of achievement then makes up for all the times that you were feeling like you were struggling. And isn't it so much better to hear it early on that it wasn't the way in, that it wasn't the best way to do it, than to think that and keep going at it and then find out that uh, you weren't on the right track. And so you've wasted weeks and weeks pursuing a, a track that wasn't right. So Alec was was there anything that you had a an evening in which perhaps you were disappointed by the critique or it wasn't what you were expecting to hear or no? Is it just that your work's always so damn good, everyone just loves it? <laughs> that, it's that. I've I've definitely gotten criticisms uh, for some of the work. I think, like, I don't want to sound sunshiny and say that I, I haven't come away feeling bad. I genuinely haven't come away feeling bad just because I think the whole experience of getting the criticism is novel to me still. Even after all this time, it's still novel to me. So I, 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 I don't, I don't ever feel bad about it. Like I always come away from it feeling like I've gotten something good out of it. I do know that I think with the familiarity of the group sort of with the, because we are, I think, so open to being vulnerable with each other, but then also really comfortable with each other that we probably can pile on a little sometimes. So that that's a thing that I've had to watch out myself doing it. And I think I, it's almost certainly happened with my own work. Uh, and so I wouldn't say that it's like such a vicious thing that like I come away wanting to cry or something. But I feel like we have a tendency sometimes after like a few glasses of wine, we're on like the third piece of feedback for the evening and we, you know, pick up something that is hilarious and we'll just like go to town on how funny it is. And we forget that like this is our work, like this is like your whole heart's in it. Um, so like, I don't think we've ever gotten to the point of being hurtful, or at least I don't, I've never felt hurt by it, but it's something that I think that anybody in that situation has to be cautious of just because of the vulnerability, like the inherent vulnerability of it. There's like a balance between like the whole being really comfortable with each other and also like opening up your whole heart with the work that you've, you've put in. Right. And also something that I've done is I've put in time limits in terms of our critique, because we, I mean, when we all got together, we would, it would kind of run to three hours sometimes. Um, and we work on a rotational basis. So there's five of us. One month, two of us will have our work critiqued. And then the following month, the other two or three will have their work critiqued, depending on when your work is ready for critique. So it should be alternating months, but it isn't always. And there's always a free spot open for someone who's really tearing through their drafting and needs the critique immediately. But I do time the amount of time we spend on each person's work and we kind of set it at kind of half an hour. And so when the group becomes aware that you've only got a half an hour in which to critique that piece, you tend to focus more on the negative than what you do on the positive. So again, my advice to you when you're setting up your writing group is kind of spend those first five minutes of your half an hour, if you're going to do the same thing, talking about all the things you love before you go into the things that perhaps are problematic. And as Alex said, you know, it's easy to pile on, especially when you all agree on something. And this is the thing about critiquing work is it's deciding how you are going to use that critique. It's not just getting your work critiqued. It's looking at four different people who've critiqued your work and deciding which of that critique you're going to use. Because here is the key to getting critique. You are not trying to please everybody. You are not trying to incorporate every single bit of feedback in terms of correcting your work or editing your work. Because, you know, the saying is true. You can't please everyone all the time. And nor should you try to and never lose sight of the fact that you are the author of that work. You know these characters, you know the story you're trying to tell. So each piece of critique you get, you should be looking at it and saying, is this valuable? Is it useful? Is it going to make the writing better? And sometimes you're going to get contradictory critique from people in the group. And we've had full out kind of yelling matches sitting there where I've gone, oh, I particularly love this passage. And Alec will go, oh, well, that's so crazy because I hated that. I mean, you guys know. Or we'll be like, somebody's like, oh, I just love this character in particular and I didn't like this other character. And somebody's like, I was in love with that character. The first character is garbage. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe not like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I've had that where we're having the round table and everyone's talking, talking, talking. And then the next day I'll get the individual emails of feedback and, and it'll be like, well, maybe don't listen to me if everybody was saying X, Y, and Z. This is just one person's opinion. And that is why I strongly encourage the group to do their critique in terms of the document before we all get together, because it's so easy for group think to occur. If you don't critique a document before you all get together, it's so easy for Alec to say something and then for me to go, oh, well, it's not something I thought of, but yeah, now that I'm thinking about it and then Susie can go, oh, well, Alec makes a good point and we can all kind of pile on something that when we read it ourselves actually wasn't a problem. It just means that the person who's giving the critique is able to make a good argument for it and they're able to substantiate it well. And it's great that they've made us think about it, but that has influenced our critique of the piece. So I also suggest that you do your critiques individually, send them to each other individually, and then allow that round robin kind of group feedback so that if group think occurs, uh, you can separate that from, from the piece that you got. So remember, in terms of the critique you get, look at it objectively. And if two or more members of the group agree on something, it's likely to be a problem. If two people say, I'm I'm not sure this character would say this, or if two people said, I would really like to see a better description of this character, etc., then they're onto something. Outliers, then it's up to you as, as the writer of the piece to decide um, if, if you're going to use that. Have you found something, Susie, that you've really struggled with in terms of critique, some stuff we gave you that you were, really weren't quite sure what to do with it or, or what kind of changes to make? Absolutely. I, I would be completely lying if I said that I wasn't. Um, I think in terms of the writing process, what I'm trying to do now and a thing that I don't know if it's the best idea, but it, it's a new thing that I'm trying is to not go away and immediately rewrite everything. Because I think that is something that I've done in the past and that writers do in general, you want to perfect it before you move on to the next thing. And that can also slow you down because when you're starting a book, even if you're a plotter versus a pantser, it's going to change over the course of the writing. And so what I'm trying to do right now is get through this draft, then go back and look at all of the feedback and see if it's still applicable and make the changes then. Because you don't always have that 100% clear sense of where that particular portion of the, the book that people are looking at in your writing group, where that's going or how it fits into the bigger puzzle of what you're writing. True. And sometimes we get stuck in the cycle of polishing something and you'll spend weeks polishing something uh, that'll quite frankly, down the line, not even make it into the, the final manuscript. Right. A, a shiny turd is still a turd. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, and sometimes there's a huge temptation to sit uh, polishing up the turds. Okay, guys, have you got any nuggets of wisdom, anything that you would like to share? Because I'd like to make the podcast as practical as possible. And it's great to have these kind of overarching insights, but I would like people to be able to walk away and be able to practically apply things that, that we're discussing. You know, I think that the most important thing is that people have this image of the writer hunched over the keyboard, typing away in solitude or scribbling in a notebook. And yes, sure. I mean, unless you have the great good fortune to be Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, you're writing by yourself, but you're not progressing by yourself. So get a writing group. That's the biggest piece of advice. Find your people. Find people that are simpatico. They don't have to write in the same genre. In fact, find people who aren't writing in the same genre. Our group doesn't all write the exact same style. And I think that is very enriching because you're getting those different perspectives. So those would be my biggest pieces of advice. You have to have a group and you have to listen to what everyone says and don't discount it just because they're writing something different. In fact, pay closer attention to that because they're coming at it from a perspective that you lack. And that's how your writing is going to improve and how you're going to grow as a writer. Okay. Alec, anything to add to that? What I like most about the writers group is that we have structure. I mean, we've got Bianca as our taskmaster, keeping us, you know, within these boundaries of what we set. And so it's actually something that has like a real 
applicable technical structure to it. But then we also have like an easy and open rapport. And so I think that it's it's very important to curate who you're in that writing group with because you benefit from having both things. Having that structure is what actually makes it worthwhile for I know myself, definitely like the structure is what I need to to make it in any way worthwhile. But then also having that easy open rapport is the thing that allows you to have that vulnerability. It's the thing that allows you to, you know, we'll get on these magical streaks where we'll be, you know, critiquing a piece of work, not necessarily a negative criticism, but something where we're problem solving. And I, my favorite moments in the writers group are when we get on sort of like a problem solving bender where we'll all together work out something that, you know, the writer of a particular piece hasn't even thought of themselves and it will make absolutely perfect sense. And it's just a breakthrough. And to be able to, like, I don't think we could have done that early on when we first started, started, you know, collaborating as a group or working together as a group and critiquing each other. But the fact that we were able to sort of build this, you know, the emotional freedom and rapport with each other means that we are now able to do that. And it is a beautiful thing. I love it. So I agree about the collaboration. It's something that you don't often think about with the writing group, but I, I know one of my best characters, Vivian, she was a mother-in-law came about because of chatting to you guys and seeing what was lacking in the novel and, you know, being able to step back and come up with this character to fill the void that you guys thought was there. And, and that's kind of where the collaboration falls in. And something Susie said that I want to expand on is it, try actually to find people who are not writing in the same genre or the same stream as you, not just for diversity's sake, not just because everybody brings something different, but because of competition. Uh, and this is something we don't want to talk about as writers, but it's something that comes up all the time. I've chatted to so many writers who started off with this writing group and they were all writing, let's say, for example, romance novels and their manuscripts became ready at the same time to stop submitting to publishers or to agents. And one person got an agent and the other person didn't. And one person got published and the other person didn't. And, uh, you know, we can want so much what's best for our writing groups. We can love them. We can want to uplift them. But at the end of the day, we are human beings. And it, it is, it is kind of soul destroying to have somebody who you've worked with, who you've helped with their work, um, kind of get something that you aren't able to get or that you haven't succeed in a way that you haven't been able to succeed. And so, you know, writing itself is fraught with the competition. It's seeing writers in the same genre as you who've published on the same day as you get reviews that you couldn't get, get magazine coverage that you weren't able to get, et cetera, et cetera, to get events that you really desperately wanted. And so that's kind of hard enough without bringing your core group of people into that kind of dysfunction. And so, when I talk about my writing group, I talk about a functionally dysfunctional group of people. We've, we've got our madness. We've got our idiosyncrasies. We're all a bit odd. We've all got our quirks. Uh, but as a group, we work really, really well together. And I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful for this group. Same. <laughs> Same. I feel so blessed. I just think that I'm the luckiest person that I happened to know you, Bianca, and that you introduced me to all of these other amazing writers who have been so instrumental in my journey so far. Okay, so how do you begin a writing group? If you're a writer out there who's interested in being a part of a writing group, how do you find your people? You can sign up for writing classes. That's always a wonderful way to see other people's work and to see what about their work you like, what resonates with you, to see how well they critique your own work. Uh, and now with COVID, there are so many different writing classes across the world that you could be signing up for. It's no longer you can only attend ones that are in your city. Most of these classes are now being done via Zoom. There's also things like a writing retreat or a writing oasis. There's one that I like to do in Toronto run by Susie Wheelahan, who employs the Amherst method. You can find her writing retreat on uh, www.writersoasis.ca. Uh, and Susie's schedule is there. She's also doing the Oasis now on Zoom as opposed to in her home. And a writing retreat is a great way, again, to meet fellow writers. 
once you've met writers that you like, extend an invitation to them, reach out to them, see if they want to be a part of your writing group. There's also tons of resources on the internet. Look on Facebook for writing groups in your area. Sometimes the writing groups are even specialized according to the genre in which you're working. So there might be romance writers groups or science fiction writers groups. For those of you who are struggling to find somebody to join a writing group with, why don't you send me an email at the shit about writing at gmail.com. Tell me what genre you write in. Send me a one page example of your work and let me see if I can get you in touch with fellow writers who are also looking for a writing group. And that's it for today's episode. If you have any questions about writing or publishing, please email me at the shit about writing at gmail.com and I'll do my best to get them answered for you. I hope you'll join us for next week's show. In the meantime, keep at it. Remember, it just takes one yes. Hi, everyone. This is Cece. If you're a fan of books with hooks, then you've probably heard me use the term interiority. I often catch myself saying things like, these pages need more interiority, or the interiority here needs work. And that's because interiority is a super important element of storytelling. It's what makes books unique. But as it turns out, a lot of you have questions about what exactly is interiority and how to properly weave it into stories, which is why I'm teaching my popular writing interiority class in a new two-day format. We'll meet on Thursday, June 6 at 8 p.m. via Zoom to cover all things interiority, including the difference between interiority and emotions, how interiority is different from telling, how to leverage interiority into plot points, how to strike a balance between interiority and mystery, and more. And then we'll meet again for a live cozy Q&A session on Monday, June 10th, also at 8 p.m. via Zoom, in which you'll have the opportunity to turn your camera on if you choose. If you're interested, check out the link in my bio on Instagram, and I hope to see you there calling all memoirists. I'm so excited to let you know that I've put together an incredible all about memoir lineup for Saturday the 11th of May from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time in which six amazing speakers guide you through everything you need to know to write a memoir that will sell. You'll get opportunities to ask questions of best-selling memoirists while also standing a chance to have your query letter live critiqued during the webinar. To see the awesome lineup and to register, go to biancamaray.com. There's an early bird promotion for the first 50 delegates who sign up. Come and join us and get your memoir groove on. Did you know that 70% of all books are sold online via e-commerce? If you're an author wondering how you can get some of that market share, this is for you. Hi, I'm your co-host Carly Waters, and I'm here to tell you how writers can work on their author brand to build an audience and convert those followers into book buyers. Do you ever wonder why so many authors publish their books and later say they didn't sell as many copies as they wanted? It happens over and over and it's all over social media. Authors really think it's a them problem, but not always. They really just weren't shown the way. And I don't want you guys to launch a book and show up at book events and have two people in the chairs. I have helped clients launch books to the bestseller list for over 15 years. I have now built a six module, 10 hour course with all my knowledge. And that will give you the craft and book business information that you won't find anywhere else. And there's an app. Over 100 of you have already joined my new course. And writer Siobhan Moore said, I'm halfway through the course and grieving that I didn't have this information sooner. There's really nowhere else to find it. Worth every penny. Thank you, Siobhan. If you want all that info and everything that will change the course of your writing career, go to carlywaters.com course to learn more and use discount code POD15 for the month of April at checkout. That's POD, P-O-D 15 at checkout over at carlywaters.com course. Hi everyone, this is Cece. If you're a fan of books with hooks, then you've probably heard me use the term interiority. I often catch myself saying things like, these pages need more interiority, or the interiority here needs work. And that's because interiority is a super important element of storytelling. It's what makes books unique. But as it turns out, a lot of you have questions about what exactly is interiority and how to properly weave it into stories, which is why I'm teaching my popular writing interiority class in a new two-day format. 
We'll meet on Thursday, June 6 at 8 p.m. via Zoom to cover all things interiority, including the difference between interiority and emotions, how interiority is different from telling, how to leverage interiority into plot points, how to strike a balance between interiority and mystery, and more. And then we'll meet again for a live cozy Q&A session on Monday, June 10th, also at 8 p.m. via Zoom, in which you'll have the opportunity to turn your camera on if you choose. If you're interested, check out the link in my bio on Instagram, and I hope to see you there.